0: Welcome back to Blue Skies and Green Pastures. I'm your host, Paula Adams. Thanks for listening. Today, I'd like to share sort of a personal episode about my own uh, Christian walk. So I hope you will find it interesting and possibly enlightening as well. So I became a Christian when I was a little girl. My parents were... Faithful churchgoers They went, took me to the Baptist church When I was just a little girl From the time I was born And so I grew up going to church My mom uh, was such a faithful churchgoer That she literally went to church for The Sunday after giving birth To my oldest sister And um, she was so, you know early postpartum that her milk came in and you know got her clothes wet and I was like mom you could have given yourself a little more time (laughs) but my mom was only 15 years old and she she didn't really know the difference between you know I, I don't know she was she was doing the right thing. She was trying to do the right thing. And she was being guided by some pretty strict ladies at church. And uh, she was my mom was married at the time, but she did not have a mother. Her mother died when she was only um, seven, I think, seven or nine. I keep getting those confused. But anyway, my mom's um, religious upbringing really um, kind of stopped except for the church-going and um, instruction that she got from the housekeeper that my, my grandfather hired to take care of her and her brothers after their mother died. The housekeeper was, was a devoted Christian, and she would sit them down and give them Bible lessons. So my mom actually and, you know knew her Bible quite well from childhood so when I was born you know, I was taken to church and by the time I was nine um, I already had had my own bible for a long time and was very proud of it and you know, decided to get baptized and join the church and when we lived in a small town in Texas, called Lufkin, and we're attending a Baptist church there. So, I've always considered myself a Christian, and I thought of myself as a Baptist. So, what I want to talk about today is denominations. After um, my older siblings turned, you know, teenage years, started working and stuff, and kind of going out on their own, um, they were still living at home, but they didn't—they didn't really see that they needed to be gone, going to church. And my younger sister and I were still under our parents' control, basically. But when you know, I know when I hit the teenage years, I started not wanting to go to church too. I started wanting to do my own thing on the weekends. And by that time, my mom was also working, and it just felt like, you know, weekends, like we needed we needed more time, and church was interfering, and by that point, my social anxiety had ramped up, among other things, and I didn't really feel like I was part of the group at the church that we were attending, which was a Baptist church, And, you know, I just didn't really want to go there anymore. But I wanted to go to church. And so, for off and on, my older sister and I would sometimes visit this Bible church in A Leaf. And we liked it. And it was a non denominational church. And I I really can't remember that much about it. I just remember going there. And I remember it was on Boone Road, I'm pretty sure. So I kept on getting, you know, the Word of God off and on. We didn't go every Sunday. And then also I I had a a few friends that that went to different churches, and sometimes I would visit those churches. But I, I always wanted to hear God's Word. I wanted to know, you know, about God and stuff. And when I was even younger, prior to that, um my mom introduced us to listening to Christian radio and I, I just always enjoyed that which is kind of funny now that I'm a I'm podcasting and I listen to so many podcasts and I still listen to Christian radio so I guess I just really enjoy learning from listening to someone talk um, Of course I love and I love reading as well and I also read my Bible but I really like listening and I sometimes just, Put my Bible on the speaker option and let it be read to me. And in case you didn't know, the Bible app, the one that has a picture of a brown Bible on it and it just says Bible, that app has lots of different translations that you can read and listen to. And if you put it on the King James Version uh, in that app, I'm pretty sure that that's the Max McLean, um, auditory uh, reading of the Bible, and I really enjoy listening to that. I don't normally read the the King James anymore, even though that's what I grew up reading, so I'm familiar with it. I've since moved on to other translations that are a little bit easier to read, like the American Standard, the NIV, the ESV, the CSB. I mean, there's so many, and I actually like to read multiple versions. The point being that I've always enjoyed Bible study. So when I was little and my my mom would put the radio on, they had a show called We Kids. And We Kids was a children's Bible program. And it was on Saturday mornings. And it's still on. I mean, that guy, unless they're just playing reruns, maybe they are. Uh, you know, he's been doing that show since I was a little kid. And I don't think they do it anymore. But back then, they would in, even send you printed Bible lessons in the mail, and you could answer the questions and send them back. And so it encouraged children to study the Bible. So it, it was a lifelong uh, habit for me to to want to read about God and 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 just to know about more about God. But I. I uh, I never was really like into doctrine, and I think that was because my parents didn't really talk about like different denominational doctrines, so I didn't really know that much about Baptist versus Catholic or any of that stuff until I became an adult, and really, mainly, when I got on Facebook, and I started reading a lot of stuff on Facebook, and I was like, what is all this? And you know, it was very confusing to me to see other people, um, quite critically and sometimes hatefully, talking about Catholics or um, Methodist or you know other denomination Church of Christ, and you know what I thought were pretty much mainstream religions. Um, they were calling heretical. And they were saying that they weren't—they didn't really believe in the gospel, and that they had a religion of works and things like that. And I—this was all news to me. I didn't know any of that when I was growing up. I didn't—I didn't—I wasn't exposed to this type of comparative uh, religious, um, you know, uh, commentary. And so it was a little confusing to me, and. I ended up joining up with some people on Facebook in a group that was called. They called themselves Reformed, and it was in this group of people that I learned about Calvinism, and which I had never heard of. And I also learned about you know the different types of Baptist and things like that, and that you know I discovered that not all Christians believe the same thing. And it's kind of a fault of mine, is just not realizing that not everyone thinks the same. (laughs) So you could say that Facebook has actually given me, and the internet itself, has given me a real education in the past 20 years. So I started to learn about Calvinism, and I learned the difference between works-based and grace-based salvation <clears throat> and things that I just took for granted I was forced to learn more about <clears throat> which, is, which is good. I, I mean, I really felt like, oh, I should know what I believe and I think we all should, really. We We need to know what is it that we actually believe because it's the Bible isn't just John 3.16 there's <laughs> many, many more books in there, and, um, even though I had heard a lot of sermons, and I even had done some Bible study, it wasn't as comprehensive as it needed to be, so, for a while I was in this Calvinist group, and, I mean, I'm sure they meant well, but in their, um, Eagerness to root out false doctrines and heresies. There, there was some what I would consider unnecessarily mean spiritedness, and and even you know maybe a little bit like thinking that everything is a heresy. But at the time, I I, I didn't know. You know, I just thought they were right. You know, I was still. I was going, I was believing what they were saying. So I was going from one set of beliefs, or lack thereof, to this set of Calvinist beliefs. But, you know, I felt like God was telling me to keep studying. And so I have learned a lot in the past, I don't know, how many years. It's probably been about 10 years. And it even got to the point where... I was attending we were attending as a family the Baptist Church at that time. And because of this group that I was in and the things I was learning, I became hypercritical, maybe 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 not hypercritical, but I became very like um aware of the things that were being taught and I was like always like scrutinizing to make sure that they were true. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you need to know, you know, what's true and what isn't. And I was still kind of immature at that time and a little too eager to judge. I was very judgmental. I'll just say it. I was judgmental. And at that time, the church I was attending, some of you know which one it was, um, was doing some Bible studies And doing some things that I didn't really think were biblical. And they were kind of borderline. Like, they weren't, like, heretical or anything like that. But they weren't super... um, Like, they would preach on topical things. And the Bible studies were... Some of them were... Preach, you know, authors that these ca- Calvinist friends of mine said were heretics, uh, like um, Beth Moore, and the Baptists, the Southern Baptists. You know, they really liked her back then. I mean, things have changed, and she probably is a heretic. But you know, when I didn't, I didn't wanna, I didn't want to study her because of the things I'd heard about her and the things I read and I was like yeah I don't really this doesn't sound good to me and then there was some other like Sunday school materials I really can't remember what they were but I remember when I found out that the whole church was going to be studying this particular Sunday school curriculum and I looked it up online and I didn't like what I saw I was like this is this is you know Christian junk this is like psychology, this is what do you think the Bible says, and you know, and I still don't like that type of Bible study, but I don't know, I I still am not sure if, if I did the right thing, but I basically told my husband, I don't want to go to this church anymore, I don't think it's the right church for me, and because my husband was not very into going to church anyway... That meant that we all quit going. And I assumed at the time, oh, well, we're going to go out and we're going to find a better church. But instead, for the, pa- for the next, like, six years or so, we didn't go to church at all. I mean, we visited a few churches during those times and we, we watched some sermons on TV and things like that, but we'd never found another church. And, you know, as time passed, I began to blame myself and say, Oh, God, did I make a mistake? You know, I I thought I was trying to do the right thing by finding a super correct, perfect church that was serving, you know, serving you and not just a social club or whatever. But... Instead, we ended up with no church, and that meant that my, my, my kids were growing up without any kind of, you know, Christian influence, except for the very few people that we knew. And, you know, I felt kind of like I did the wrong thing. So I started asking my husband, you know, let's go, let's find a church, let's find a church. And he, at this point, he was actually going through a really hard time. And, and I was like, you know, I've got to get us back in church because we need, we need God back in our life to help us straighten out some of these problems that we had going on in our family and, you know, the normal stuff that happens when you're not close. During my time away from being a church member, Even though I was, you know, going to Bible study and listening to sermons on the radio regularly, uh, I was not going to church and I had started blogging and I met this, you know, I started following a blog called, uh, oh, now I can't remember the exact name, Becoming His Tapestry, I think is what it is. And uh, the blogger's name is Brenda, and she's, she's a really good writer. And one day she wrote a blog about the importance of going to church, and it just, like, spoke to me like it was a message just for me. And I would read, you know, read that topic many times, but this time I was like, you know, I think God wants me to go back to church. And so I did. ...with God... So, I decided to start visiting some churches by myself. And I actually went to a Lutheran church for a while. And, and I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. I, I kind of liked the um, the things they did there. And I was very different from the Baptist church. But I, the sermons, you know, I was like, well, the sermons are eh, not really what I'm used to. They're not very... They're not like a Bible study. It's just kind of, eh, you know. But I really liked the beauty of the sanctuary. I, the singing was was pretty good. But that that particular church was going through a transition, and uh, little did I know that the that the pastor or whatever they called him in the Lutheran church was about to leave. <laughs> And so they had no pastor for a long time. So when that happened, I was like, "Oh, I'm not going there anymore," you know, because there's obviously something going on. And if you know the Lutheran denomination, it has it has split because of of you know theological disagreements, it's like gay clergy and things like that. And I was like, well, this isn't where God wants me. So I thought about going back to my old church. And I actually did visit there a couple times. But I just kind of felt weird. And then I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to Bible study. Because all through these years that we didn't have a church, I was still going to Bible study almost, you know, for nine months out of the year. They didn't have it during the summer. So for three months, three to four months, I wasn't going to Bible study so I was only listening to sermons on the radio but so I was still growing in my faith through this excellent Bible study, it's called Community Bible Study and I was learning so much that I didn't really necessarily felt like I needed to go to church because we it was a two hour thing, we were singing we were Praying together, we were studying the Bible. My my two youngest sons were also going, so they were getting all the same stuff, learning about God. And there's a wonderful, you know, church-like atmosphere. But these were people from all different churches, and I and my husband couldn't go because it it was women and children only, and and plus it was held in the daytime. So I wanted to find a church so hopefully my husband could start going too and maybe my older kids would would go and so I thought well I'll I'll start going to that church but my only hesitation was that it is a held at a Methodist church and when I was a Calvinist I was told that they were doct- not doctrinally correct and, and I was like, you know, looking at what's going on in this church, I see them helping the people in the community. They had a food bank. They're always gathering things to give to people when there's disasters. They're, they really seem like they love God. Everyone's so nice. And I had seen the pastors. A couple, oh, plus at that time they had a female pastor. And as a Baptist, that was a big no-no. So I was like, oh, I don't think I can go there. Well, just when I started to think about going there anyway, she retired. So that kind of cleared up that little problem. And um, so I started attending and just kind of, you know, cautious. I was cautious. And I was really, you know, monitoring what was being said and praying about it and asking God should I keep going here or should I go back to the Baptist church and I never I never heard anything that I felt was unbiblical Uh, there was only a couple of little sermons that seemed to veer into some woke theology but even that was so light that it really wasn't that bad but I was very on my guard for anything like that and the people I was meeting, they they just seemed like genuine believers to me. These were not fake people. They were not um, just like social club members or anything like that. And I and also found out that, that this church was like really um, faithful about giving. Like people in, the, in that church were really giving a lot of money to the church. And I was like... You know, that takes faith because you wouldn't have known it just unless you were there. You wouldn't have known that there was this much money passing through this particular church. And that was just another like indication to me that, you know, these people have real faith. Because if if you trust God with your money, that's a big deal. So I kept on going and I started thinking of that church as my church pretty much. And I was able to get family to visit and, you know, attend with me off and on for a while. And I think we're actually at the point now where we, we're we close to joining the church. But even though right now I consider myself a member, even though I'm, I'm an informal member, because I, I give to the church and I attend regularly and I go to Sunday school and, you know, it, it's my church now. I did go back to visit the Baptist Church another time, and and everyone's very nice there, but I actually like that, the Methodist Church better. I like, and, and during this time, I started learning about um, that it wasn't just certain doctrines. It was the worship style, and I never had heard this word liturgy before, and I still need to learn more about it, but I realized that, you know, for me, it, I wanted to worship God in a more formal way. And uh, the church I had been attending, the, the Baptist church, it was, it was standard Baptist fair. You know? uh, but at the Methodist church, there was a lot of reciting and um, praying the Lord's Prayer as a group and things that I really enjoyed doing. So all throughout this time, you know, the things I was looking for was does does the preacher preach that Jesus is the Son of God who died for our sins and he's the only way to heaven and, and other what I consider, you know, essential Christian doctrinal beliefs? And does he preach anything that detracts, from that, does he preach any kind of works things, you know, works-based religion, and he never did, never does, and, uh, you know, the, the more that I got to know his style and stuff, I learned that he was kind of, um, given, like, some suggested sermon topics from the upper, you know, the Methodist, uh, church itself above him, and, and I've, you know, that's why he would preach on certain things. So he wasn't, it's different than in the Baptist church where the preacher basically chooses the topics. But I felt like he was doing a good job. And there was, there are late, even lately, I felt like he's really, sometimes he's really speaking with the spirit, you know, he's really got the spirit moving him. And, you know, Every pastor is is gonna have like their better better days where their preacher preaching is really on fire or whatever. But you know the past two years, uh, two and a half years now, with COVID. Oh, and another thing about this church, and it's really amazing to me how long I've actually been going there because. I started going there like a year before COVID, I think, maybe even longer. So I've actually been going there a lot longer than I think because because of COVID, I've kind of lost track of time and I don't realize how like far along we are in history. You know, does anyone else feel like that? Did you feel like you kind of lost a couple of years? But anyway, when when the COVID um, law makers, you know, sh- shut down churches briefly, I-, I think they did, they did stop having services very briefly. But as soon as as soon as they were allowed to, they reopened. And yes, they had you know every other pew was closed, and they asked people to do. Uh, social distancing. Oh, I haven't said that word in a long time, and I'm kind of glad not to say that word anymore. But they did have people wearing masks and social distancing, and they they had a few, like, things to eliminate, you know, contact and stuff. But they were meeting in person. Oh, and instead of, we did do singing. We had singing, but I don't think we had a choir for a while but we were still having church and they also were having you know broadcasting the churches the services on Facebook so anyway I I, I was attending all throughout the, the 20, 2020 and 2021 and then you know finally all the regulations were removed and we, we've been back to church for quite a while with everything normal again. And I still feel like not everyone has returned, and I hope that more people will come back. <clears throat> um, it's a small church, and there's there's space. There's plenty of space in the seats. So if you want to come visit, come on down to Belleville United Methodist Church. Uh, but anyway, um, the, the the Methodist Church is going through a split, like so many other denominations, and. I haven't wanted to join the church until I was sure which way this church was going to go, and it looks like they are going to go with the traditional Methodist beliefs, not the woke Methodist beliefs so probably when that actually happens i'll I will join but for now i'm I'm a member for all practical purposes but I'm still also kind of a Baptist, you know i i I really like uh immersion baptism, but I have come to appreciate the sprinkling that they do. I mean, you know, I've seen their services it's it's a very um you know in spiritual and the intention is the same. So I don't think that you need this you need large amounts of water. To be baptized. I prefer it that way. Because that's how I was raised. But the point is. I don't think it is. Going to stop someone. From getting to heaven. If they were sprinkled. And they also. You know. They do like a dedication for children. And I don't really even know. If they do that in the Baptist church or not. I think they might do some kind of a thing like that. But. It's a little different, and they also do something called confirmation that we did not do in the Baptist church. Where, and this is where children that are like eleven years old they they go through some classes to learn all about Methodism and Christianity, and then they then they profess, you know, they make a profession of faith basically to join the church. It's I don't know all the details, but I've seen it and. You know, it's not, I don't think it's heretical. <laughs> so the point of all this is that I, I think people have to be careful about judging other denominations. And I'm not talking about cults because some denominations, some, some churches are cults. They are cults. But I don't think um, Methodists are a cult, and I don't really haven't really studied that much about the Church of Christ. But I think probably the majority of them are true believers in there, even if they may dwell a little bit too much on the works part of the Book of James. Um, you know, God knows what's in our hearts, and He knows if if our faith is in Him for our salvation. Or is it in something that we're doing? Are we trying to earn our salvation by being good? And is that only because we're afraid of our own weaknesses? And so we're just trying really hard to make sure we don't sin. But as long as we know that Jesus is the one who paid for our sins, and that we are saved by his death on the cross, his resurrection, he paid the price for us then it really doesn't matter what church you attend on Sunday morning. As long as you know the truth of where your salvation comes from and you understand that going to church doesn't save you, uh, rituals don't save you, reciting specific prayers don't save you, uh, saints don't save you, and that's another thing. Let's let's talk about Catholics for a minute. Um, the Calvinists, obviously, you know, that came from the era of the reformation era with martin luther and many other he wasn't the only one and there's all these reformers right and that's because the catholic church was very messed up during that time and it needed to be reformed um but it not all catholics are evil heretics And, you know, not all Catholics even seem to believe the same things. So, and I started to notice that when I was going to Bible study with people from different churches, is that there was Catholics in there and they were studying the Bible and they, they seem to believe the same things that I believed, but they still go to a Catholic church. So I started to realize that there are real, and this is the key point right here, there are true believers. There are Christians, God's people in many different kinds of churches. And I think that as we we are headed to, into the last days as we get we're in the last days. And as we get closer to Jesus return, I think we're going to see People from different de- denominations and churches coming together on the basis of our belief in Jesus. We're going to have to let go of this denominational um, splitting and fighting. And because number one, the world is going to begin to persecute us like it already has been. And number two, we have more in common than we do that's different. And this is something that I've even been thinking about today that some people may be like, what? And I've been thinking about the whole ecumenical thing, which, you know, ecumenicism was like a, you know, cuss word to some of the Calvinists I knew. And I, I never like studied it that closely, but to me, it means people from different religion, you know, different denominations coming together and even, Jews and sometimes Muslims being at these uh, events and stuff, and they're all there to talk about God and Jesus. Well, obviously the Muslims don't talk about Jesus and neither do the Jews, but they're there to talk about God. And I was thinking today that, you know, we have more in common with those people, Jews and Muslims, than we do with atheists and the people who hate God. So we don't want to we don't want to join up with their beliefs. We don't want to change our beliefs to be like theirs. But we don't we don't necessarily have to separate completely because who knows what God has planned for those people. So we need to hold on to our beliefs while giving those people time for God to work in their hearts and show them the truth because just like we at one time were mistaken in our beliefs before we accepted Jesus they need they also need the time and the grace to come to the knowledge the full knowledge of God and that right now they they only partially know him they know God but they don't know his son so we we need to not worry so much about defending our own beliefs and be praying for them and and being give them time is all I'm saying. So I remember I remember um, some of my Calvinist friends would be very upset when certain people that you know, called themselves Calvinist or reformed. They would attend like a convention or something where there was one or two people there that they that these people considered heretics. So they were upset that they were sharing a stage with these people. But I, I didn't really see that in the Bible anywhere, that they were not allowed to speak on the same stage as someone with different views. It's not like they were saying, I agree with you. They were just taken that opportunity to get up and speak, so i basically I've kind of tried to get away from being so uh afraid of letting other people talk and just give them giving them more time to for for God to work on them and not seeing a heretic behind every you know behind every microphone. And trust me, I know there's plenty of them out there, and I've called them out myself. And I, I, I'm I, very, like, aware of false teachers, and I, I, I call them out myself. For one, I just did a blog recently about Rick Warren, and I, I got a little pushback on that one from people who like him. And I was like, you know, people can go to Rick Warren's church that are true believers and they can they can hear from God in that church even though Rick Warren himself is a snake in the grass <laughs> so you know God's message can come through even even in the darkness of these these churches that are really all about making money and that's another topic but I will call out the false Teachers and the people who, who are leading um, churches down the path of um, marketing and materialism and making money versus sharing the truth of God's word and the gospel and loving loving each other, and sometimes those things get mixed together, and people are very easily deceived. If you just use the the right words like love and community and things like that, people can miss the fact that the the words uh, Jesus and sin are not used as much. But anyway, so that's my story. I no longer consider myself a Calvinist. And even though I am definitely reformed in a lot of ways, I... I'm not really trying to pin a label on myself anymore. I'm I'm a Christian. I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a believer. I'm a child of God. I be, You know, some people might call me a fundamentalist, even because I believe that the Bible is true. Uh, but I'm not a white supremacist. I'm not a you know feminist. Or I mean, there's so many ways that the Word of God is twisted. I'm not any of that. I'm not a radical. Well, I'm a radical follower of Jesus in that I really trust him. I really believe that Jesus is real. I believe that God is real. And I'm so thankful that God is, has given me this long journey to faith in him that I can feel I can feel safe that even if I even if I'm a little off track he knows the truth, and He won't let me fall. He won't let me fall. And that's one more thing I want to say is I also encountered some people who are, there's two things. There's um, there's something called free grace, and that is that you're saved by grace through faith, and that's it. Nothing is added to it. You don't have to, you don't even have to uh, call Jesus Lord, Okay. They are like totally you know you're saved by Jesus only not you don't even have to not sin anymore you're still saved so it's pretty radical version of grace and then <clears throat> on the opposite end there's people who are like well yeah you're you're saved by faith but you have to prove it by what you do and that if you don't have proof in your and everything you know if you sin if you if you don't prove how Christian you are, then you're you're not really saved and you can lose your salvation according to these people. And I noticed that those people in that group, I was like, you know, you people are turning people away from God with this message. You're, you're, you know, do you think that you are the ones that's saving people with this message of you know you better stop sinning you're not really saved I mean if those those people aren't really saved then nothing you say is really going to matter you know only God God has to work in their hearts but if they really are saved then all you're doing is causing them anxiety and not giving them you know the grace that God is giving them to be be transformed through sanctification You know, you're taking it upon, those people are taking upon themselves to make sure that you're Christian enough. And, you know, I started to fall into that a little bit myself and I was like, man, this just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel like what Jesus actually said, you know, from all the examples of how he treated people with, with kindness and mercy, you know, but those people, I just saw no mercy no mercy. And then the radical free gracers, I I think they're the least dangerous. You know, the people who are really believers are not going to be harmed by being told that they have, you know, that they're going to heaven even if they sin. If you're really saved, you don't want to sin. Okay? You don't want to. So if you're really saved, you don't have to be scared. If you sin, what does the Bible say? Ask ask God to forgive you, and He will. That's that's what it says. And if He told us to forgive our brother seventy times seventy times or seven times seventy, um, don't you think that that Jesus and God are gonna forgive us even more? I mean, He died for our sins. He's He's gonna forgive us. Does that mean that we just keep on sinning without caring? No. And if you are doing that, then you're probably not saved. So anyway, those were just a couple of things I noticed when I was in this journey. These radical, uh, radical groups everywhere, and how they they really are not helping the cause. They're not helping the cause of Christ at all. So anyway, uh, if you know me, now you know my story. And this is why I believe that we don't have to be scared of ecumenicalism. I think that it has a purpose at times. It can be used as a means to an end, but it should not be the end. The end should not be for all of us to to think that there are multiple ways to heaven, because there's not. There's only one through Jesus. Uh, but it's not our, you know, we can still... Meet up with the people who who say they believe in God, and you know maybe we can we can all further the truth along through these these uh, cooperative meetings and prayer. You never know who attends one of those meetings a Jew or a Muslim or a, some other denomination who might actually um, gets hear from the Holy Spirit and move, be moved forward in their Christian walk, just like we all have been. When we stop talking and listen and let God transform us. So let me just say a quick little prayer. Dear God, thank you for giving me this time to talk about you and how loving you are and how kind you are. And I left out so many details and someday I'll share all the others. But I just want everyone to know that you you are full of mercy and grace and you offer it freely and I pray that anyone listening to this that doesn't, that hasn't asked you to forgive their sins and and be their savior, I pray that they would ask you right now and you know who you are and in Jesus name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to Blue Skies and Green Pastures and uh, keep spreading the love. Bye-bye.